Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The fall has come. As I drive making calls yesterday, driving by all the forest preserves, which on every Saturday were flooded with people, there was no one there yesterday. The fall of the year has come. The children back in our parochial school, there is a certain exercise they will engage in every single day. Small groups beginning again. People coming back to church after a period of time taken to enjoy the summer. More people listening online. Fall of the year has come. There are four elements of our health that engage us significantly. One is our physical health. Who amongst us, no matter what age we are, who amongst us does not say, I need to exercise more, I need to change my diet. And if you don't think that, then someone else tells you that. I need to exercise more, I need to change my diet. That's physical health. The Bible speaks very little of physical health. Yeah, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.8, and he says, hey, Timothy, physical training is of some value. I don't know if he had seen Timothy and Timothy had put on some weight. I don't know if that was just a little thing there that he threw in there. Physical training is of some value. But then he headed to the fourth of the health, and he says spiritual training is of greater value because it will impact your life like nothing else will while you're on this earth. And it will open the road to everlasting life. Physical health, Bible says very little about it, but the encouragement is there because your body is a temple of God and he asks you to take care of the temple. The second realm of health is emotional, and the third, quickly thereafter, connected with it. Emotional health and mental health. The Bible speaks about that all the time. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible. Guess what they are connected with? Not your physical health. The 7,000 promises are there for your mental and emotional health. 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid. What disturbs our mental and emotional health more than anything else? Fear and worry. What's going to happen to my child? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen when I see the doctor on Tuesday and he tells me what the biopsy looks like? What's going to happen to me? I'm now 70 years of age with my knees feeling the way they are. Am I going to be walking five years from now? Fear and worry, they come like a steed of horses. And the one driving those horses is not God. The one driving those horses is Satan himself. Because when fear and worry come, you are not attached to God. You're attached to yourself and the circumstances going on in your life. 1 John 4, 4. 
The one in you is stronger than the one in the world. Everyone born of God has overcome the world and its fears. Because the one in you is stronger than the one in the world. 1 John 5, 4, what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith in the fact that Jesus walks hand in hand with us. I don't care what portion of Scripture you go to. Old Testament, major prophets, minor prophets, gospels, epistles, book of Revelation. It tells you, do not be afraid. Because the mental and emotional health that you have is so precarious. Why do you think Jesus said, Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain of fear and worry in your life, move, and it will move. My goodness gracious, as little as the Bible talks about physical health, mental and emotional health, it's all over the place. Do not be afraid, I am with you. Must have been one of the darker periods of David's life. Many a theologian suggests is the last hymn, uh, last psalm he ever wrote. The Lord is my shepherd, he always was. Sometimes I forgot it. Look at 70% of my psalms. They don't start out very well. I'm angry, bitter, and afraid. The Lord is my shepherd, he always was. Leads me beside still waters, turns brown pastures into green. Restores peace to my soul when fear has robbed me of the peace. 23rd Psalm is all about mental and emotional health. But unlike many other verses in the Bible, it is all about the fourth element of our health. And that is the spiritual element. Our spiritual health. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Not physical health, mental and emotional health. 7,000 promises directed to you to combat that. Cece's staying overnight with us, 10 years of age. She said, Papa, you know I have an anxiety issue. Do you not? I said, Cece, I suspected you have. And then she has the prayer before we have supper. And it's all covered because she mentions God a million times in her prayers about the weather and about faith and about her family. Spiritual health. Here we go. You want spiritual health, you have to have three things. And they're all connected with Jesus. You have to have knowledge of Jesus. And every single day in our parochial school, they will hear things about Jesus. There will be a knowledge dispense. Born in Bethlehem, had to leave, go to Egypt. Did 35 miracles recorded. Died on the cross, had 12 disciples. Never traveled more than 70 miles in those three years of ministry. Knowledge of Jesus. Knowledge of Jesus, does that help you in the spiritual realm? It does not. It's just a knowledge about the facts about Jesus. So we need a second thing pertaining to Jesus. We need an understanding of him. Why did he do the miracles? 
in order to show off, in order to have end up having 10,000 people following him to the hillside? Did he do it for his own sake? The answer is no. If he had done it for his own sake, when Satan said, turn the stone into bread, he'd have snapped his fingers. The understanding of Christ, why did he do what he did? Compassion, mercy, grace, forgiveness. Micah said you need three things. You need to act justly, you need to love mercy, you need to walk humbly with your God. And there is no human being ever on this earth who did it like Jesus did. Philippians 2, 5, he's equal to God, empties himself, come down to this earth, takes on him the form of a servant. Why? For his own glory? Heaven forbid, no. He did it for us. Last parable he ever spoke, parable of sheep and goats. He said, come into the kingdom. God's children say, we don't deserve your kingdom. How come you're doing this for us? He said, you saw the hungry and you fed them. You saw the thirsty, gave them some to drink. The naked, you put clothes on them. The sick and those in prison. And you spent time to be with them. The understanding of why Christ did what he did is what he says to us. I did this for you out of love. And if you're my child, you've done the same in your life. Come inherit the kingdom. That cross on Good Friday, there was an appetizer. And the appetizer to that cross was 35 miracles that are recorded and hundreds that are not. And every single miracle was done for the same reason and the same purpose. Love, mercy, compassion. The guy can't see. His name is Bartimaeus. He can't see. You can't get within 10 yards of him. He never bathes. The flies are flying around the poor man. And Jesus sees him and he goes to him. And he gives him his sight back. The woman is a Gentile from last week's gospel. She has to beg a little bit. And Jesus says, your daughter is healed. The woman's been sick for 12 years. He's as frail as a popsicle stick. And when she touches his robe in that marketplace, he stops because he cares about that woman and he has a conversation with her. Jairus deserves something from him, right? He's the, the ruler there of the synagogue. His daughter is dead. He comes. Zacchaeus, the wealthiest man in the city, Jesus comes. Over in our school, will they understand him? They will have knowledge of him. Will they understand that he did what he did, our loving compassion? And the grand finale, there's always a grand finale to a story, right? The grand finale of Jesus' story of love and compassion is the cross. Three years the cross, same reason. God so loved the world, and Jesus so loved the world that he dies on that cross so that we might be made right with God. 
There is There are circumstances that have occurred to you this summer. They impact the third aspect of our relationship with Jesus. Knowledge of Him, understanding of Him, but my goodness gracious, get me to the personal relationship with Him. The baptisms have been almost 800 that I've been blessed to do. 98% of them are children. And there has never been a baptism since the first one I ever did in Wichita, Kansas, to the one I'm going to do this afternoon. There has never been a baptism in which I have not asked the parents, do you understand that the most important thing your child will ever have is a relationship, personal relationship with their Lord and Savior? I don't say to them, most important thing is knowledge, most important thing is understanding, The most important thing is a personal relationship with Jesus. And how does that come? You read God's Word, but how does a personal relationship come? Why are there 160 miracles in the Bible? Because God wanted you to understand something about Him, and when you understand His power and His love, then you say, I can trust this guy. Your parents can say, I love you. But when they do certain things, you say, they really do. They're just not saying it. If you have someone significant in your life and they say, I love you, they can say the words. But when you do something for them of significance, then they say, that wasn't just words, they really do love me. Why are these miracles in the Bible not to show off God's power, but for you to have a relationship with Him? You and I pull up the Red Sea all the time, don't we? No matter what's going on in your life, when you have lost hope, you go back 3,500 years and you pull up the Red Sea. If he did it for Moses, he can do it for me. Why has God allowed circumstances this summer? This young man, Camden, burned in the fire at the start of the summer, going through all those surgeries and all the pain of that. There were people divorced this summer, going through all that pain. There were three or four that lost their jobs this summer. What am I going to do, Pastor? I'm 58 years of age, and I got two boys in college. Who's going to hire me? The circumstances that God allowed in our lives this summer... The good ones, we lift up our hands to him. Thank you for the baby. Thank you that I'm pregnant. Thank you that I got married. Thank you. Things this summer that we will remember in the realm of joy. Things this summer that we will remember in the realm of nightmare. God uses those circumstances for us to have this spiritual relationship with Him. You're not going to want to hear it. Romans 5, 3. If this summer brought suffering, 
Paul wrote Romans 5.3, I rejoice in my suffering because suffering produced a perseverance in my faith. It made me stronger in my faith. I had a funeral a couple of weeks ago and the family was giving the eulogy for him, not a member of this church. They talked about what an angry, bitter man he had always been and what a wicked temper he had. And then they mentioned the motorcycle accident and the loss of his mobility, and they said it changed him. We all thought it'd make him more angry and more bitter, but it changed him. It softened his heart. And all of a sudden, he was open to everybody and everything, and everyone came when they had a need to him. Suffering produces a perseverance in our faith. When suffering comes this summer, when it came, you either ran far, far away from God, or you came closer to Him than you've ever been before. And if the suffering produces a perseverance in your faith, then that perseverance produces character. That's what happened to this man from an angry, bitter individual because of what had happened to him when he was young into the most kind, caring individual you can imagine. After the storm you went through, did you stay the same? No. What direction did you head? It came, you became one bitter, angry person. Alcohol and drugs helped you, but that kind of messed up your life. When the storm came this summer, was it him that you headed to? He had been distant for quite some time. He didn't really need him. But when the storm came, did you head to him? The greatest aspect of spiritual health for Connie and myself 16 years ago, when Jonathan passed to heaven, after that two-and-a-half-year battle with cancer, the greatest element that ever affected our spiritual health, the nightmare unexcelled. Your spiritual health, you can read the Bible, you can learn all the facts about him, But there's going to be some circumstance, many of them in your life, that you look and say, that was God. That was absolutely God. And it is that that you never forget. I'm going to encourage you to join a small group, whether it's LWML, whether it's the choirs, whether it's volunteering in any number of realms, or whether it's talking with Eric Mooney, getting plugged in, I'm going to encourage you to join a group. I'll tell you why. I preach about 35 sermons a year. Pastor Sauer, God be praised, covers the rest. Our teachers preach sermons basically every day. I receive sermons from other people, 30, 40, 50 of them a year. 
The other people that I receive sermons from are you. I visit you in your homes. I visit you in the hospital. I visit you during the wake over at the funeral home. And you tell me stories. You tell me stories. Pastor, I never, never imagined I could have peace in the midst of this. But I do. And I know who it's come from. Pastor, I thought that if I ever got diagnosed with cancer, but you were, and the stories you tell me. Emma Maurer sitting right over there. Hi there, Emma. So Emma thought she had a broken leg. And prayers went up. We had it last week. Prayers of healing for Emma. Guess what? The leg's not broken. It's just a really bad sprain. Does Emma and her family sit and think, I caught a good break, no pun intended, thank you. Or does Emma sit and think, oh my goodness gracious, people prayed and God not only healed the break, it wasn't a break. The story this summer of the individual who had been diagnosed with cancer. And then he went to Northwestern Hospital. And they took another picture. And the cancer was nowhere to be seen. We had sat and prayed in my office that whatever cancer this was, it would be treatable. And he would have 15 more years on this earth like Hezekiah. (laughs) And when he goes to Northwestern, These are the sermons that I hear from you. And that's why I'm so blessed, Pastor Shower, so blessed to be a minister because I hear the sermons of your life all the time. Join a group because immediately when you're connected with another Christian, Everything changes. You saw it in the video, right? Made me smile. Where two or more are gathered together in my name, I'm right there in the room with you. And why do these stories come out? And I hear them, and I get goosebumps. Why do the stories come out? Because God is in the room. God is in the room. We were never meant to be alone on this earth. For emotional health, mental health, physical health, never meant to be alone. But our spiritual health, everything. Closing word. My dear Joshua belonged to a rooted group at Parkview, he and Rachel, two years ago. He didn't really want to go. Rachel wanted to go, so they went. It's two years later. He still talks about the individuals and their stories that were in that group. One year later, Candace over there at Parkview said, 
Can you lead a rooted group? He said to Candice, I got four children. I'm coaching two sports. I have a job in which I have to travel on occasion. But you know what? I was so impacted by the last one, I'm going to do this one. He called me after week number three. He said, Dad, this is a nightmare. No one's saying anything. And I said, just hang in there. Let, let the spirit move. And week number four, he mentioned an individual in that group, the one person he thought would not say a word, the one person he thought the wife had grabbed him by the ear and said, you're going. He said, on that day, that man never stopped talking. 280 pounds, works with secret service. And that man never stopped talking about the loneliness in his life and how through this group, God had already come. Your time, your talents, your treasures. Move out of your comfort zone where two or more are gathered in my name. I'm smack dab in the midst of them. You thank me for my sermons. You thank Pastor Shower for his sermons. You thank the teachers for their teaching. I thank you for 35 years of sermons that you have shared with me. God's presence, his power, and his grace in your life. Thank you. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, take these promises in your word. May they truly affect our emotional and mental health, which then affects our physical health. But may your touching our lives in the circumstances that we go through, some with joy, some with sorrow. May those circumstances be the ultimate tipping point in which we say, there is a Lord and Savior, and His promises are true. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.